What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Dusty Dimes Podcast. I am your host, DJ Plogger, with my co-host, Mike Warfield. Mike, let's let's try this again. <laughs> Gotta love Anchor, man. Been away from us in a while, still shit. God, you know what's funny is it's, it, people, people fucking get on me all the time, like, oh, you promote Anchor in the beginning, you promote, listen, do it, and then we just fucking trash it. Yeah, well, welcome to 2020. This whole goddamn year has been a shit show. I hear you, but but anyways, we have um, we're going to talk about you know NHL Stanley Cup playoffs right now, uh, upcoming draft, you know recap of Maryland, and but more importantly, we're going to have uh, Mackenzie Stewart on. You know, you and I spoke about it. You know, the disabilities he had growing up, and his you know he had to overcome a lot of things to uh, be a professional athlete. Yeah, the cool part is like. I can relate to him from like a beer league standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. since um, when I was younger, um, I had a speech impediment. I still talk like I have motor mouth. So it's just one of those things that it's going to be nice to hear his perspective and like what kind of got him fired up when he was playing hockey. Cause if anyone took notice of his stats, he, uh, he loves to scrap a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting conversation. No. And it, it touches me and you know, and it, it, it's, with a heavy heart, you know, my, my son, you know, Braden, mm-hmm. Braden suffered, Braden suffered through it. And, and congratulations, by the way. Yeah. He, he just finished everything. He doesn't need speech therapy anymore. So it's, it's, it's an exciting, exciting thing because, you know, my wife was worried about it. Uh, you know, he was going to get picked on and, you know, he was behind everybody, but you know, it, it's, it's understanding what my wife, you know, she cared about, but you know, as a dad, I was just like, you know, you, you don't think anything wrong with your kid. You know what I mean? So that that's that's the real big issue in life. Oh, but anyways, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we got Mackenzie Stewart. Hey, Mackenzie, how are you, man? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on to speak to us today. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me. No worries. Uh, first, we just want to touch on, you know, you know, your time in juniors and, you know, what it was like playing juniors for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yep. I started playing junior when I was 16 years old, um, kind of because I was forced to. I, I was playing prep school hockey, and I didn't make the midget AAA team. And mm-hmm. as soon as you leave to play school hockey, um, it's hard to go back to the city. So I went and played junior B hockey at 16. Um, and that was a, a good experience for me, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I ended up getting dished around to a few teams my first year, and um, it kind of opened up my eyes to some, some habits that I didn't want to take on, um, in junior B. And then the, the same summer I was training, um, out of this gym and I had this guy who, um, followed me around kind of, and, and was watching what I was doing and seeing all the effort that I put into it, um, into my training and into my hockey and how passionate I was about the game. And, uh, he basically told me at 16, after playing junior B, he's like, you're going to go to the WHL. Um, by 19, you're going to be a draft pick and, and you're going to have life made basically. I was like, this guy's a, he's crazy. Um, (laughs) that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know how I can go from junior B getting traded to three teams to playing in the Western hockey league. Um, and he ended up getting me an invite to Prince Albert Raiders. And so I was currently trying out for a junior A team in Calgary. And I figured if I go to camp, um, in the Western Hockey League, then I'll skip some of the cuts that will happen uh, mm-hmm. between junior A. 
and then I'll just come back down and, and hopefully the team will be almost made so I'll have less people to compete against. And I ended up going to Prince Albert and signing a contract with them um, out of camp as a walk-on. They didn't even have me on their list or anything. Um, I just kind of was, was there because this guy said, hey, I got a player that's, that's going to impress you guys. And I played a few games for them, went back and played junior A for a season and uh, had a decent experience, decent season that year. Um, still faced a lot of adversity. Like, I think lots of players expect that because you get an opportunity at a higher level, you come back to a team and you're just going to be the guy. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't have to put the same effort in, but that's definitely not the case. Like, you got to treat everything as if it was your NHL, um, you know, uh, no matter what level you're playing at. So... I ended up getting scratched a few times at junior A and had to earn my spot still, even though I was had opportunity at the WHL level. And then I ended up playing uh, a few years in, in the Western Hockey League. At, at 18, I was drafted. And then 19, I played another season. And my 20-year-old year, I played half the season pro, half the season back in junior. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience for me. Now, now, let me ask you a question. I see, you know, I, I... – We'll, we'll we'll talk about your training program, which is awesome. I see it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But you know, watching you on the ice, you're you're a very skilled guy. So were you put in the role of you know being an enforcer guy back then, or was it what you wanted to do? Yeah, for sure. So um, I mean, skills I think are a huge piece of the game, obviously. And mm -hmm. um, for me, something that I was never good at was my skating until mm -hmm. I started. I was forced to be a good skater, um, yeah. and I. I really put a lot of passion and effort into developing my skills. So I think I always had a decent skill set. Um, mm -hmm. But I knew at that age that if I want to compete with these guys and I want to be an impact player, I have to do something different and I have to be willing to do something um, that nobody else is willing to do. It's not enjoyable for them. Um, yeah. So a skill for me was being a physical, um, you know, heavy hitter, defensive defenseman and willing to do whatever it takes. And that meant, Every now and then, I'm going to have to drop the gloves with guys that <clears throat> are tougher, bigger, and <laughs> look meaner than I do um, yeah. and be able to compete that way. So that's something that I, I practice, um, and it takes a lot of courage <laughs> to get out there and, and uh, you know, drop your gloves with guys. But I think it was something where, especially when I was, uh, when I was 18, my first season, um, mm -hmm. I wasn't playing a whole lot, and I was like, hey, well, I need to get in the lineup, and when I get in the lineup, I need to be an impact player. Um, and when you're only getting three, four shifts a night, there's one easy way to, to be remembered. And that was to go out there and try and try and fight somebody. Or, um, if a big hit or somebody's being kind of, you know, a little bit too rambunctious in the game, then that's kind of the role you put yourself into when you're a bigger guy. I think they automatically look down the bench at you as somebody who's going to set the tone. So, um, is, I don't think that's so much relevant in today's game. Um, yeah as maybe it was even four or five years ago. So, Yeah, because, you know, like you said, you see teams in the ECHL, ECHL right now, they have literally three lines of, like, solid guys like the NHL. So, you know, it's like a feeder system. And it's it, the ECHL used to be a big-time bruiser league. Now it's, you know, more of a skilled league. Yeah, big time. Like, it's uh, the game has changed so much, um, even from just when I stepped out of juniors into pro. Mm -hmm. um and like you you used to be able to look down the stat sheet and you could see the guy who was basically just there to you know bang bodies to and, scrap yeah, yeah exactly and fight and so um my first year pro you could see it but those guys were aging out like they were in their 30s 
and yeah. their time was pretty limited. Um, so I didn't have to see too many of them. But what I realized right away is that that's not the case when you get up to that level. And, and even later in junior, like that, that whole enforcer role, um, yep. I think is something where, and, and even as my first season, like they changed the rules where nobody's allowed to fight off face-offs. Nobody's allowed to just mm-hmm. kind of have a pre-planned fight. Um, and so, and I never, I wasn't a guy like, to be honest, I think the most fights I ever had in a year was like 12, which in, yeah, in wow. reality for um, people who are fighters, they're tallying up like 30, 35. Yeah, yeah. You, almost, you know, there are some guys when I, like Trevor Gillies, when I was in the East Coast, that guy probably had, you know, 30 games played in 35 fights. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. So that that didn't really exist, and I think even if you look at now, like Ryan Reeves, is a good example. He's still barely making over that fifteen mark, mm-hmm. um, and and you have to play the game. So it's not something I think was really relevant, but it was definitely something when I was younger, where I was like, hey, if I want to step up and you know make a difference, and somebody on the ice is is out to run after somebody, or you know, I think there's still a piece of that in the game where it's important that, you know, it puts a team on a different edge, I think, knowing Absolutely. that there's a consequence for, for things. Now, now, if you can go back and, and change when you came in, you know, after juniors in the professional hockey, would you change, you know, would you want to be more, I, I don't want to sound like a dick what I'm saying, like more like a skill guy or would you stay with the role that you had? Does that <laughs> yeah. make sense? No, for sure. And I think uh, looking back at, at uh, my pro experience and I think we're um, on the outside looking in like it's like you know you get drafted and a lot of it has to do with your physicality and and your ability to do what it takes that way Um, but that was never the message that was sent to me when I was playing pro it was develop your skills you know be a part of the PK be part of the team Um, and when I was playing in the east coast I was I was a first line top line guy playing 20-30 minutes a night Um, but that that barrier between the East Coast and the AHL and the AHL and the NHL is yep. it's such a big um, gap, not only in skill set, but in hockey IQ and, um, you know, their ability to just see the game and play the game. It's mm-hmm. a minor, minor details that make that difference. And for me, like, I didn't even start playing hockey until I was 12. So I didn't have the same amount of repetitions. Yeah. And my first season pro, I went from playing defense to forward. So I was learning wow. a, a brand new position um, that I hadn't played before and then being thrown into the AHL as a 20-year-old kid. Um, Absolutely. And kind of saying, hey, go ahead and do this. And when I couldn't keep up um, because I, I couldn't see the game the way that I was supposed to and I wasn't quite there. And it, I don't think it was ever because I, I didn't have – like I, I knew there was guys that could, you know, obviously stick handle and, and do a lot of things a little bit more – um, fluently than I could, but if I was just based on skills, I could more than keep up with a lot of guys, and especially in my skating, I could outskate a lot of guys. I'm um, so jealous. <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 I'm I'm sorry, Mackenzie. I'm 25, I'm the same age as you. I've been playing since I was like four, and you got me so tight that you just said that you've been playing since 12 years old, and you're playing the <laughs> A already. Yeah, like I, unbelievable. I didn't. My first year of hockey was at 12, and I couldn't even stop on both sides. Oh, don't even tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a 
it, like for me that that like and and the reason the reason i think why i excelled is because i had this like insane work ethic where i would train for hockey for like almost eight hours a day honestly was, man i can see it though with your stats and like even i'm looking at like even when you played in the a man it's it's one of those things that you always had a taste of good hockey growing up like you started out playing you know 15 double a and going to triple a right off the bat almost it's like you were thrown into with the wolves, but that's how you were taught to be the best that you are. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like, that's what I preach to young kids all the time is like, when I look back at my training and I always surrounded myself with players who were that much better than me. Um, like when I was 18, 19, and even my first year pro, um, something that accelerated my development so much was that I had now opportunity to skate with guys like here in Calgary, Braden Point and, um, Adam Lowry and his dad used to put on ice time with a bunch of pros that were like, they're just astronomically better. And when I was 14, I was skating with kids who were, I'd try and play spring hockey at a, at a group up from me. And so I was always the kid who had to earn a position and I was never kind of the stud. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could pick up the habits and you could pick up the things from players who are so much better than you and start applying it yourself. And that accelerates you so much because it forces you to think differently as where lots of times it's easy to go on the ice and just kind of be the dominant one of your group. But that doesn't necessarily always get you where you want to go. And you're at that like right that perfect age group when you just start out just to be like a sponge. So you just soaked everything up and you were just like adapted to it. Um, Now, if there's I hate to bring this up because this is kind of a topic I think that I can touch on with you a little bit. But uh, TJ brought to my attention that like, Back in the day, you had like a speech, a speech, it speech issue. Excuse me, yeah, as yeah. you can tell, I do as well a little bit. So, for me, I like I grew up playing hockey, and that was one of those things that killed my confidence, man. And even yeah. when I was in like second, third grade, I'd always get pulled out of class for like an hour or two to go to like these um, different rooms to basically get taught how to like speak correctly and whatnot. Yeah, and yeah. even to this day, dude, I have motor mouth. So. Um, are we able to touch on that a little bit with you? Or? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's something that comes up all the time for me. Okay, um, awesome. So when I was born, I had some sort of ear issue, mechanical issue. I wasn't quite sure what it was, but I basically couldn't hear. Um, and so when I started, like I had surgeries until I think I was the age of almost eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't do any sports. I wouldn't say that I like like lots of times I get asked the question like what was it like the first time you heard or what was it you know like being deaf the you know growing up and I can't look back at that and honestly say I remember um I remember struggling a lot and having to do that (laughs) what you went through the speech therapy and um you know having issues getting out what I wanted to say correctly sometimes or like really slurring my words um and that I guess was difficult at times but I I can't say I can look back at my childhood and be like oh well I had all these things against me I think just I I didn't think about it and then uh, I just knew I couldn't play contact sports I couldn't um, swim because if I went underwater it was going to screw up my ears somehow I can't remember Um, there there were some some things that I knew I couldn't do um, but it didn't seem like it was like this big limiting factor. And I was so aware of it. I think I, I wasn't, my mom did such a good job of like making me not aware of it, um, that I felt like I had a pretty normal life. And I, my mom like forced me to go to, they didn't want me to go into the school system and be, um, they wanted me to go to like a special needs school. And like my mom refused that. 
um, she basically like forced the system to just take me in and was like, he's going to learn no matter what. So just put him in there. Um, so I, I think, you know, some of those things, like as a kid, you don't really understand, but you go through those things and you just kind of adapt to it and, and process it and, and, you know, learn to, to go with the punches, I guess you can say. And I think that really helped me in sport later on when one, you know, you want to do something really bad. Um, I think I got the itch to play hockey around like nine, 10 years old and I play a lot of street hockey, but I was never able to participate in it. So I kind of had the itch um, to really want to play. And then finally, when I got the opportunity to play, it was like every single time I could get on the ice was like the best day ever. Um, and I think that really helped me in my motivation, but it was something where developing and getting better and seeing my skills progress was like a drug to me. Like it was so addicting. Um, and I just, I couldn't get enough of it, to be honest. And that I think really, really helped me because what everybody else called hard work, I thought was like the, the most fun I could have in the world. Now, this is, now this could be like a little bit of a touchy subject or not, but like, have you ever used hockey as an outlet for like your frustration? Oh or, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that was me growing up, man. And that's why I was bringing that up because you know, there were some days where I had a frustrating day at school or something like that, or like, I was very self-conscious of like, you know, I was talking to people and whenever I go to practice, man, like, I hate to say it, there's times that I would like literally run my own, like my own teammates and I felt bad, but at the same time when I went to games, I'd take stupid penalties because my frustration was really showing, but I don't know if that's something that you can relate to a little bit. For sure. And I think mine was a Mine was a little different. So I went through an experience in, in high school. I used to have really bad acne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started taking this pill called Accutane. Mm-hmm. And it like just like, I looked like an ogre. Like my face was just like ridiculously covered in like dry, disgusting acne. And I got picked on and like bullied quite a bit. Um, and I was in a, a kind of prep elite school of kids who were all really, really good. And so... Mm-hmm. My 15-year-old year, I got bullied the whole time, and then I didn't make the AAA team, and then I went and played Junior B, which was, like, it's not really something that people aspire to be as a Junior B player. Yep. And so that was, like, another thing where it's like, oh, okay, now you're the loser kid who plays Junior B. Like, you're going nowhere, basically. And but now like, look at you. Yeah, and, like, that <laughs> that for me, like, a, a lot of times was, like, the fuel to my fire where it's like, I'm going to show you guys what's you know, give me two or three years and see what happens. Like, I know I'm better than lots of you guys. So um, I think that, you know, part of my life really helps with fueling me forward. But it was also another piece of me where it's like, you just, when you want to win, you find a way, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, and it sounds like from a young age, man, sorry to interrupt you. You've just ahead. been a workhorse. So it's like, you just got to keep it up, man. You'll, you'll get to where you want to be at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's also too, like, finding your passion because there wasn't like I had things that I liked as a kid and and then I found hockey and I knew that I was really passionate about it and that's where I found that I excelled um because I was interested in absolutely anything and everything about it um and when that you find that something whatever it is you you know right away that this is what you want to do absolutely and uh Mackenzie my last question for you brother um, when you got a taste of the A and then, you know, you played in Toledo and then you played for the Wings and before that you played a little bit for the Utica, what was the biggest difference that you noticed between the A and the, and the coast? Like either skill wise, um, even, even like, you know, uh, personnel wise, how do they treat you? Was it a little bit better up in the A? Um, can you just give us your experience? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, like starting from the NHL down, cause everybody comes into training camp as an equal, I guess you can say. 
Mm-hmm. There's 60 guys that go into the NHL camp, and they're all considered NHL players when they're there. Um, and the NHL lifestyle is um, it's it's crazy. Like it's more than you could ever imagine for a lot of players. Like you have private chefs, private jets. Everything's taken care of for you. Um, you're playing in the best arenas. You're getting the best experience. Um, and the budget is unlimited <laughs> for what amazing. it seems like, right? So, um, you know, you kind of live, live the life of a rock star when you're up there. And then you go down to the AHL and the experience starts to change. You can notice the budget changes as well because the things aren't as nice. They're still, like in Utica, it was a great experience. Like the the guys were good. The town wasn't amazing, but the rink was at least pretty good. And the fans were insane. Um, but I think the biggest shift was not in, um, you know, those, those things, those little things like, Oh, you know, the NHL dressing room versus AHL dressing room or, you know, CCM versus Bauer sticks, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. I think the biggest shift you can notice is the perspective um, yeah. because the guys who are in the NHL and have a spot sealed, like life's good. You got a six year deal, eight year deal. Like you're not going anywhere and they kind of know it. Um, but when you're in the AHL or you're in the minors, everybody has this, we're all teammates, but we're all competing for the same thing. Everybody wants to get to that next level, and it's the coaches too. It's not just the players. It's everybody. Everybody up to that NHL. So you have a team that's filled with, you know, I'm in it for the team, but I'm a lot of it is I'm in it for myself, and I want more. And the perspective of guys who are in the AHL, like I, I kind of describe it to players, like you have the guys who are your NHL solid blue chip guys. Life's great. They're not going anywhere. McDavid, Crosby. Eichel, they're studs. They're they're there for life. Yep. Then you have the Brink players who are NHL, AHL, and sometimes they play the entire season in the AHL and then get bumped up to the NHL like come playoff time because of salaries. Like I played with guys who were making four hundred thousand guaranteed in the AHL, but if they played you know one game in the NHL, they lose half that salary. And you'll see them get called huh. up, play play a game just to lose half their salary. Um, you know so it's like stuff like that happens all the time and people don't see that or you you know a guy who's in ahl nhl like his lifestyle sucks because he has to play like in utica especially you're flying from new york city to vancouver back to new york city back to vancouver and you might not play a game and when you go down to the ahl you're expected to be a top guy and you've been on the road or living in a hotel for you know three weeks like they had a guy who got called up because of an injury mm-hmm. sent down the next day thought he was going to be in the AHL. he's got a new kid on the way his wife you know hadn't seen him in a little bit and the next day a guy in the nhl is like oh i don't feel good so he has to go back up in case he has to play that guy was healthy the next day had to go and fly back home the next day Jesus um, you know and, it, and that was his whole season was just up down up down up down and like yeah it's great you get opportunity to play in the nhl but he's not really playing and like when you consider the average lifestyle of like what do most people want, it's either money or freedom. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't, he's a, he doesn't get either of those um, and still has to sacrifice 10,000 times more than the average human. And uh, then you have the guys who are stuck in the AHL and they're just like solid end players in the AHL. And um, I think there's always a piece of their mind where they know like the guys in the AHL can play in the NHL, no problem. Sometimes it comes to, um, they can't produce the same. Sometimes it comes to opportunity. They just didn't get their shot or didn't get a good enough opportunity. Um, they didn't get the repetitions that they needed at the NHL level. 
And so they kind of stick in the AHL. And then you have the guys who are East Coast and AHL. So there's every single feeder system, there's an up and down. I think the biggest thing I noticed between guys who are in the NHL versus the AHL is um, the perspective and the, the attitude shift. Um, I think guys in the NHL, like I have yet to meet somebody who doesn't work their bag off. And it's just the hardest worker in the room all the time. They're, they're all, all workhorses and they're all really good people. In the AHL, you have guys who sometimes they get to that age where they just kind of check out and they're like, yep, this is, this is it. And I'm talented enough to kind of ride the wave now, but I'm not going to put in the same effort because I'm not yeah. in the NHL. <clears throat> and the Unreal. East Coast is the same thing. I've seen yeah. that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, they just, they just check out, right? And same with the East Coast. Like, you have the guys who are willing to do whatever it takes, and some of them just don't have the talent to get up there, or um, other things come into factors that become distractions, um, you know, outside of hockey where they get into the drugs and the booze and the girls, and that ruins a guy's career more than anything. Like, the, the ability to stay disciplined and put up with a lot of defeat and discouragement ruins guys. And I think, you know, a, a good factor, a good point is, like, for me, I was used to disappointment because I've never played, like, I wasn't a stud mm -hmm. growing up, right? And you mm -hmm. can tell by, like, you looking at my track record. But lots of these guys, like, they're blue-chip players their entire lives. They've been taught, you know, little Johnny from, you know, age of 12 was like, hey, this kid's going to the NHL, and they know it. You know what I mean? So the first yeah. time they get disappointed was when they didn't make the NHL team. And all of a sudden, all this reality and expectations comes around them. They have to be responsible for themselves. They have to go through all these adversities that they just don't know how to handle. And it just it ruins them mentally. And it takes away a year or two from their development. And the guys who can take that with um, you know, perspective of like, hey, I'm not here today, but I'll get there tomorrow kind of thing and have this growth mindset are the ones who excel and end up making it into the NHL. But they have to go through that adversity phase because not a very not there aren't very many McDavid's and Crosby's who just come in and are dominant right so yeah yeah you're right though man I mean my one buddy I grew up playing with he ended up uh playing with Utica Comets uh he was a goaltender I believe in like 18-19 season um and now he's a car salesman so it's like uh, yeah it, it, it blows my mind but at the same time it's like he had a full ride at Michigan State played there for a while played for Team USA you know, play with Jack Eichel and, like, top guys, and then all of a sudden it's like, you think this guy's going to make it to the show, and then all of a sudden you just see him at a, as a car salesman, you're like, w what happened? <laughs> That's a big shift for a lot of guys, like, coming out of hockey and, and figuring out, like, at least you got an education. Yep. I find a lot of guys, like, they stay playing because they think, what else am I going to do with my life if I don't have this? And, like, yeah. the, that's what made me want to retire is when I – I went to Detroit. I had a great camp. I went to the AHL. I, I did the best I could, but numbers just, like, they're not going to take a risk on a guy they don't know when they already have 12 people on a contract. <laughs> and there's just no room to put new people in. And you don't know if you're ever going to work your way up that list again um, because new talent gets drafted every single year. And I was looking at guys in the East Coast in Toledo, and it was like, hey, you're 28 years old, 29 years old. You play hockey for, you know, seven, 800 bucks a week. Like, guys the highest paid player on my team almost or if not equal to and I was making like 850 bucks a week and I was like okay well let's do the math of how much effort time I pay for training I pay for nutrition I pay for everything to make me a good player that still costs what it costs NHL players yet I'm making 850 bucks a week that's you know yeah. what I mean 
So it's like these guys are playing hockey, going home, living with their parents, working at the golf course, going back, playing hockey. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like much of a life to me when you're, when you're stuck here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so, so you're stuck in a rut. <clears throat> now, Mackenzie, we'll, we'll fast forward. You know, you retired, and now you're doing a good thing by training. Can you touch on your training program that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one, of, one of the big problems I found in hockey was when I got to the NHL, they had every single resource for you just handed out. Like, we had nutritionists, sports psychologists, doctors – trainers, coaches, skill coaches in every category to help you get better. But coming up, I didn't have all these resources. I didn't have um, the tools and and things that every player should really know and have um, to become better players. So I figured I'd put it all together for players in one kind of package. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've taken experts of outside fields in sports psychology, nutrition, um, strength training, the skills, the skating, um, everything that I know and then some, um, I put it together and, and I like to kind of describe the whole thing as like, I help players become better hockey players, but more importantly, I help them become better people. Absolutely. And so it's about developing the character and developing the player well-rounded, um, in all aspects to help you achieve your goals and dreams, um, as hockey players. And for parents who are looking at the program, it's a lot about teaching the disciplines and the other side of hockey that and sports that's so amazing for kids is like i think sometimes we make the mistake of trying to shelter um the ones that we love and our kids and stuff from from facing adversity and i think sports is one of the best ways to have that given to your kid where it's teaching them a true life lesson like things don't go your way all the time um and actually if they rarely ever do go the way that you want them to um but if you can't adjust and grow from it then you're going to have a hard time in real life and we like to protect ourselves from that as much as possible. And I think sports is a great opportunity. Like, it doesn't matter if you're the best player on the ice or not, you're going to face some sort of adversity in your career. And how do you handle that adversity and, and come out on the other side stronger? So um, that's, that's a lot of what I do. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I just want to say, you know, I, I, I talked to you on Instagram about, you know, your whole, you know, speech issue you had in life. And, and my son, my youngest son actually, you know, had it. He, at three at three years old, he was diagnosed, and he recently was going through programs in school and everything. And he actually just graduated. He doesn't have to take class anymore. So, like listening to your story, it like it means a lot to me having a son that went through it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's. It, I think there's everybody has something. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, everybody has something that they struggle with, and and uh, I think sometimes what seems like it's going to be a setback ends mm-hmm. up being something that propels somebody forward. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's not easy, but it's, you know, it's going to make your son a stronger and better person because of it. Absolutely. And just like hearing your story, man, it just, it means a lot. And again, we do, we just want to thank you for taking the time out in your morning to, uh, to speak with us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I love this stuff and I love, uh, where I can give inspiration to, to anybody who needs it and some, some quality information too. So it's awesome. not a problem for me. Pleasure awesome. talking Thanks, Mackenzie. Have a great one. Thanks, Mackenzie. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Take care. Great guy, man. Great. What, very down to earth guy, man. Like it's just, you get these guys that made it as a pro hockey player and they come on. And it's just like, they're, they're normal. Bro, it's just like the rest of us. I respect the living hell out of him for Absolutely. like giving for back. What, what, yep. 
Dude, it's sick. Like, I love that he's doing a school or even a clinic, if that's what you want to call it, that he, he's able to bring everything that he learned for, at an NHL standpoint. Yeah. And it's like, dude, he's doing a He's doing a program, like a training program. That's phenomenal. Like, it's, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. I would kill to have that when I was growing up. Awesome. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, like hearing his perspective and then also like hearing that he started skating at 12, I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, he, oh, like, I just I I started skating at twelve. I made it to the pros. No big deal. Like Mackenzie, <laughs> you're a beauty, but I I hate you for skating at twelve and you got a chance at the show. But you know what though? I, at the same time, I can't even be mad at that because he even said himself, man. Like he put the work in. He, he no, absolutely. At at a young age, he was dealt like a shitty hand of cards with mm-hmm. you know his speech, and then on top of that, he couldn't hear, and then. All, his mom just throws him in school and it's like he's gonna learn. I love it. I love it that his mom said that that they, she wasn't yeah. gonna put him in a in a spot. I love that she you made know, that, him the yes. kid or the guy that he is today. Like just absolutely a, a tough, a tough, hardworking guy. And absolutely. if you look back at it, the reason why he's probably giving back is because his mom always looked out for him. So it's like so he's it's, and he's looking out for everybody else. Like dude, he he's got he's got his heart like a heart like his mom probably, man. But at the yeah. same time, don't poke the fucking bear. Don't poke it. Don't That's poke it, it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, he was awesome, man. Um a couple of things we're going to still touch on. We still got the tourney to talk about, some of the NHL that's going on. Let's um, let's talk about let's talk about the NHL. How literally there's no goddamn defense or goaltending in this fucking. Uh, yeah, but you know what, man? I'm still I'm banking. I, I'm saying it now. If Dallas wins this next one, they're pulling it out in seven. Like I just don't get it, man. Like I, who I the just fuck is weed whacking right now. Jesus Christ! Wait, in fucking wilderness. Jesus ah, Christ! Fucking neighbor. Um. So yeah, the well, the one the one thing I can say, man, is like. I mean, either way, Tampa looks still on fire, but at the same time, they have breakdowns. And when their breakdowns happen, like, mm. Dallas just capitalizes. But any good team would. It, but I you're don't right, there's no deep. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. There's there's points in the game where Dallas doesn't have a shot on goal for seven to nine minutes. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they're still coming out with scoring goals. I, I don't get it. What was the stat that I just saw uh, yesterday? Victor Hedman tied someone for, I think, the most goals in the playoff series as a defenseman. Uh, yeah, I saw that too. I forget who the defenseman was. That's all right. I'll look it up. But I know I saw Joe Pavelski t- took the lead in um, playoff goals by American-born players, 61. Dude, yeah, he's a stud too. For, it's nice to see him actually getting close again because even with San Jose, it's like, I don't know. They made it that one time with them. Jesus Christ. Are they really fucking... Ring, 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 yeah, ring. I gotta I gotta leave because this fucking guy... No, fucking I gotta go back inside. Give him an RKO out of nowhere. Jesus Christ. Tell him people are fucking sleeping at 9.45 in the morning. Oh, my God. All right, so... The one thing that kills me about these playoffs is the fact that no defense... And there is goaltending, but at the same time, there's no confidence in the goaltending, both sides. Um, they're leaning heavy in getting on Doby. And at the same time, he led he led him to the, the cup. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was a stud all throughout. Um, now, all of a sudden, you see him kind of have a – how do I say it? Like, a blemish of – nervousness and like you can tell he's anxious but like he's not settled like he he was yep and 
when it comes to you know Vasilevsky, he he just has a weird style in my opinion. He he reminds me of a hybrid goaltender the way his stance is, but at the same time he's just so skinny and yep. lengthy that when he drops to a butterfly, he picks the net up. I. I think with him, he had a consistent style of play throughout the entire series. Like, he's had some spectacular saves, but at the same time, he also had breakdowns. And it wasn't anything that really shocked me because he's had a team, I feel like, in front of him that's played so solid throughout playoffs that he's never really, they never really had to worry about him breaking down compared to Dallas was kind of used to that. Like, Dallas was not the strongest team in front, but they, they always had their goaltender. So, for them, yeah. if Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay really breaks down and struggles in front of you know Vasilevsky, you're gonna see an ugly side game, and that's why they're like Dallas is pulling wins out is because their team's starting to break down in front of a goaltender that's already quote unquote you can say shaky, compared to a team that's used to being shaky, used to having a, a goaltender that's yep. a stud, and. It, it, it's a weird concept, but at the same time, you kind of see it playing a part, and then you see teams. I think you said it was Dallas that was running the trap, and it, it's it works. Like it, it makes the team think and overthink, and they cough the puck up, and they, and that's where it, it's nice to see Dallas take over in that sense. So again, I'm hoping that Dallas pulls out pulls this out in seven. Yeah. Mm. So I couldn't hear you there for a second. It sounded like fucking R2-D2 coming through. Um, all right. So even still with Tampa running the trap, it's still one of those things that for me, it's like if, if another team's running a trap against you, it's to make you overthink. It's to make you be like, oh, shit, I don't have an option. Did, you, did you happen to see yep. that? This? Yeah, I agree. Can you hear me now, Mike? Can you hear me? Yeah, so the stat he had, wow. he has, I saw the stat, it was 700. And who's, who's this again? So My apologies. Far. Yeah. 700. And that's in, just in, in the Stanley Club, like, playoffs? Could open. Yeah, that's what I mean, man. Like, it, for, for the, he's a good goaltender. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things that he just had a team in front of him. Like, he has decent defensemen in front of him, but at the same time, they only have, like, maybe the one pair that's extremely solid. The other two are just, eh. They're mm-hmm. good, obviously, or else they wouldn't be playing in the playoffs and Stanley Cup final. But they just have more breakdowns um, when they do reversals and stuff yeah. like that. Sometimes, like, there's no communication. They think a guy's there for a drop pass, so leave it. Um, I, I watched breakdowns before where uh, previously, and I think this was a couple years ago with Jamie Benn, he dropped a pass, and um, I think it was against Anaheim or something. And they went down on a breakaway, scored, and you could just see in his face, like, I'm, I'm ready to fucking shoot someone. And – you know, for for that team, I I just I would love to see Dallas yeah. pull a win out. Um, don't get me wrong; I think Tampa is a great team. You know, Steven Stamkos is an awesome captain. I love seeing him. That you got a Gino, and then fucking said adios, hopped off. Uh, but at the same time, it's like they had their chance multiple times. When do you really see Dallas? I I oh, agree. Yeah. It's just you know I I want Dallas to win. Just I love his tape jobs. Little, two you know fucking I mean? strands. I, I love Jamie Ben, but you know 
I hate. Oh well, the cow- Cowboys I, suck. We're, we're not even worried about them. Like, Dallas, oh, though, you know what I mean. We all know that. If you're a Cowboys fan, I'm sorry. They're fucking poo. <laughs> and you know, you know what's gonna kill me real quick too. Uh, talk. I'm. I'm. Yeah. So. What, when mm-hmm. I am on social media or anything like that, I see all these haters and like Flyers do well. We make it to whatever. We make it past round robin and we get first seed. All of a sudden, you see team like you know other fans from other teams are like, "Well, as soon as we get yeah, as soon as we get limited, and it's like, bro, you guys didn't even make Talking playoffs. Shit. Your team's dog shit." And I'll tell you right now, the Devils, mm, poo. Uh, the Rangers, you get first or overall pick. Still not going to do anything with it because you have no one else on the team to produce except Zabitajad. Like, that's it. Nope. <laughs> I I can't stand, and I can't stand when Ranger fans talk so much shit. Nothing. Like, you guys Nothing. say Capo Caco, whatever the fuck his name is. And he hasn't done shit. You know, you haven't, you got Panarin, one of the best players in the world. You couldn't even fucking make it in the playoffs. You had one of the best goalies Hank, in the world. Hank, you got bone for a lot of years. I, I feel like it. if he went to a different you know team, I mean? like, he probably would have won a cup by now. And then I can't even hate uh, on Panarin because he is yep. a stud. I, I, lo- I love that kid. No, Panarin's a stud. He's a stud. Man, but that's guess, what I mean, man. But like, now, guess just, what? He's a New York Rangers. I don't know. Rangers you see the Islanders gonna go to take shit. off, and everyone's hating on the Islanders earlier in the season. And then now, look at them. Everyone's like trying to be a part of their team with Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell was a stud against us, and I, it was the biggest pain in the ass playing against him. Yep. Well, it's like I'm acting like I played against him, but watching them play. Oh, that game God. seven for us was a joke. They shouldn't yeah. even showed up. They should have just got off at warm ups and just said, you know what, guys. You can take it because they were so flat-footed out yep. of the gate. I felt so bad for Carter Hart because you, no one, if anyone, anyone can disagree with me. I don't give a shit about that. But if anyone tries to blame that in any any of those games in that series on him, you're a fucking idiot. Like the the kid saved it us. Wasn't. There was no there was so no many times, and there... he made us get to that as far as we did. And I don't know, man. Like I feel like a lot of people watching that series or just following along with Carter Hart just in general, even if you're a fan of another team, I guarantee you, you'd want him on your team. Like he, he's a young goaltender that is probably in my opinion, top three in the entire league. Yeah. Hands down. He's going to be good, man. He's going to be good, but let's talk about, let's talk about rookie cup champs. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So, I, I, rookie cup champs here. That's what we say, but we say it's rookie cup champs because we joke around from playing, you know, NHL twenty. But we, uh, we, we, we went down to Maryland, not knowing what to expect. Right? For all you knows, we, we yeah, went that was a great time, hockey. man. Thank you to Dave Morning for having us. And, you know, putting putting on a great tournament like he always does, and. You know, we went down, we, we played game one. Ah, uh, we win game one. We're like, all right, cool. Win game two. All right, cool. Then we just keep fucking winning. And the, the it, worst part is, dude, we had, it, right, it was so unexpected. We were supposed to have six guys. We ended up having a guy backed out. We had five guys. It was three on three, full surface. Um, no icing, no offside. So it's, it's a blast. Yep. And for people that don't know, TJ played pro roller, like legitimate Pan Am. Like he played good, or Pama, excuse me. Pam, Pama, am I right? Pama, um, uh, whatever. Um, Pama. So either way, he played really good hockey, and 
we were all of us were in the car. We were talking the whole ride down, and our goalie is just rattled. He's like, "Boys, I just feel like we're gonna get pumped," and we're just like, "Shut the fuck up!" Like, you know, you know, he's like, "We only got five guys. Like, we're gonna be gassed." And I was like, "Honestly, we're gonna probably gassed." Yeah. So we end up getting down there, and I'll tell you what, man, we just floored teams. Like, we start stretching the ice. We we're making simple like give and goes. We we're making guys like. If we didn't have anything, we would send it back, regroup, and just we were playing smart hockey. And when it came to the semifinal, we ended up pumping a team 7-1. And it, it should have been mercy rule, but they scored one. And then uh, championship game, like yeah. everyone was pretty cool <laughs> with us. Like No one thought we were dicks or anything like that. And we didn't play that way. Um, championship game, we ended up finishing it out. We got an SO for our yep. goaltender, 5-0. We went 5, five nothing. excuse me. Finished that day going six and zero, oh, and then we were playing up in the next division, and every single one of us were like shot. No, no one wanted to even get up the next day. No one even wanted to go out drinking, basically. And uh, we ended up getting up the next day, and we're yep. all like, "Boys, it is what it is. We got hardware last night. Like, it, yeah, if we if we win, we win. If we lose, so what? It's what happened." And, uh, and that's exactly what I said. I said, eh, let's just, whatever. And I'll whatever tell you happens, what, happens. It, it, what it turned out to be one of the best days just because we ended up going all the way to the semifinal again. Um, the only thing that sucked for us is we just felt like we didn't have enough break, like, in between our games. It felt like literally every 30 minutes we were going back on the surface. And, like, for five guys playing basically 12 yes. games in two days, we were shot. Like, we had nothing left in the tank. And, uh, it, it was just a good time just because we ended up going, I think, 5-0 and uh, that day. And then we ended up going to the semifinal. We played against a team that we we're good buddies with, and we beat them earlier on in the day. And uh, we ended up losing to them, and unfortunately, we got eliminated in the semifinal. But you know what? All in all, it was a great experience. I always have a good time going down there. The one thing I request, Dave, if you're listening, uh, medals would be great just because, you know, only one person can take a trophy home. Uh, I like to wear, you know, a little bling around my neck, uh, especially when I, when I run into a biker gang. I want them to see my blingage. Uh, should we touch on that? Yeah, people are probably like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah All right, yeah, so yeah, that, uh, that, that was fucked time. up. TJ, myself, everyone that's on the team, we get back to the hotel and we realize. Um, we realize that there's like all these bikes out front. I'm like, what the fuck? And um, these guys are like, yo, like, what the fuck is that? And uh, we're like, oh, yeah, we're explaining. We just won a tournament, this and that. And, um, yeah. you know, these guys were, you know, they're shooting shit us. They're cool. They're drinking. And all of a sudden, like, we walk in the lobby after we're done talking to them. And, like, I look over and I see this one lady rolling with uh, basically, like, this leather vest. And it said, like, yeah. uh, the bike – I'm not going to really mention this biker's <laughs> – yeah, I'm, I'm not going to mention it, but – Yeah, yeah um, I don't even say it. was say a pretty it. serious, you know, uh, MC. And uh, anyway, I saw saw her rolling around. I said, old lady underneath it. And I was like, oh, shit. So me and TJ, we get up to the hotel room. I looked their name up. And, uh, well, there was a recent assault by them uh, within, like, two weeks. And uh, – I was like, oh, shit. So I showed it to TJ. It said that there were one percenters. I was like, oh, great. We're sitting in a fucking hotel room with one percent MC. Like, I was like, how do we pick them? Yep. Like, how? It's every. But it, but it was great, though. 
it was great though because every time we left, they always like, "Oh, see you guys." Oh like, yeah, they were so nice to us, and like, I was like, "All right," I was like, "Hey man, what's up? You need something? You need a beer?" Like, fuck, I, I was nothing to do with it, man. dude. But I you know what? And that's what I mean. It's like it. if you just stay in your lane and uh, like you're fine. It, it's just yep. people nowadays always have something to say. Always want to be the tough guy, and like that. Like I'm sorry, and I, I don't talk politics, but. Our country is so fucked just because everyone is either so soft or everyone is just too much of a dick to realize that, like, you just got to step in someone else's shoes Mm -hmm. just for, like, 30 seconds. One day. One day. One day. That's how I see it. And that's it, man. Like, if you can't do that, then I don't know what to tell you, man. You're not going to get anywhere in life. You're just going to be stubborn and hard-headed and not going to have a lot of friends. Trust me. That's it. But, uh, yeah, that's, man, other than that, it, brother. other than that, we got nothing else. I got to, I got to pack Landy up. He's got a, he's got a gaming day. Nice. Against, nice. Uh, I'll let you know I'm going on golf so. at two fifty. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll let you guys know how I do. Uh, just awesome. let anyone know I don't shoot in the hundreds. So that's a solid start. <laughs> 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 but other than that, man, it was, it was awesome. It's great to Mike, be back. Welcome yeah, back. It's definitely, I love it's definitely it. nice to be back. Everyone. I love and, it. Uh, We'll definitely have some more epis coming out. It's I've been rusty. I'm done with culinary school. Um, so now I have time to finally be back for the podcast. And uh, hopefully everyone's cool with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we just, you know, want to thank our sponsors real quick. Uh, Ink Gurus. Go check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Also, AT8 Hockey. AT8 coming through big time. Yeah. Some of the boys can't and wait. Uh, they should They should be should be here any day now I'll, I'll i'll put pictures up they customize them for us it's, i i tell you mike and I, I say it all the time and people laugh at me it's 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 one by the best I love thing it. i had I, I use it literally literally ice in line i i, I love it I, you know it's it, and what's great about it and i'll shut up real quick is i i take them to yep. practices for you know lanny's team I don't even have I don't even have tape on my blade when I go. To they're they're six sticks, man. I'll board. tell you right now, and like not even to hype them up, but they, yeah, they're hey, awesome. Hey, hey. I enjoy them. They're they're yeah, they're awesome sticks. So go check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Also, Goodwood Hockey, you know, OG John Chiavo, Kelly doing a great thing, giving back to the game. Go check them out on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Bear beards, as well. baby. Can't forget about but, boys. Uh, other than that. It, yeah, bear beard. Oh, bear beard. Sorry, I forgot about bear beards. I need some new oil boys. Uh, go check them out. I believe yep. they have Etsy. Etsy crack, Mike. If you Etsy need any, and, if your beard essentials and, uh, like combs, anything like oils. Yep. Um, they also do have chapstick. They do have different type of merchandise. I believe they have T-shirts going out. So um, double check them out on Etsy. And then also, if you have any questions, uh, reach out to them on Facebook. Great guys, know them personally. Absolutely, they're they're always promoting our stuff. So. But other than that, man, stay dusty, uh, boys. Stay dusty, guys.